Welcome to We Are DB. I am Brenton, and I'm joined by Danielle and Jessica. Hey! Hello! Thanks again for joining us this week as we count up the IMDb's best movies of all time and discuss some of the greatest films you might ever have seen. This week, Raiders number 45 on the Internet Movie Database by millions of film lovers from around the world is The Departed. Released in 2006, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Matt Damon as the two leads, alongside an ensemble cast, and is set in Boston. 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 You need Jesus, that's what you need. This is the American remake of a Hong Kong movie, Infernal Affairs, from 2002. The Departed is co-produced by Brad Pitt and directed by Martin Scorsese. Now, I haven't seen the Infernal Affairs movies, um, because there was a series of them, but American remakes are almost never better than the original, so this is probably one of the best American remakes I've ever seen. I didn't know it was based on another movie series, mm. and I think it worked really well to set it in Boston. Yeah, because we spoke about that last week when we did The Untouchables, because that was remade yeah, in America. From... Why do you think it's set better in Boston, then? Because... Hong Kong's a good setting, though. So, in America, you've kind of got cities that are really well-known for their police forces. So, you've got, honestly, you've got New York, Boston, and maybe LA. And I think Boston's kind of unique because they're so entrenched with culturalism and history in a way that's different to New York because it's so metropolitan that it kind of creates this really good fabric to base this on because it's you're going to have connections in that city because it's a smaller city. Everybody is Irish in that city. Yeah, don't you think it's more the fact that, like, those three cities that you've named, New York, Boston, LA, are well known for their, like, corruption in the police forces as well? So, like, this yeah. whole movie is based around corruption mm, and crime. Point. So, like, I think that's more fitting than... I just think, like, if you were going to put this... If you were going to choose between Boston and New York, I liked Boston better as a pick for this one. Just because... I feel like New York's been played so much. Like, this yeah. is a mob movie that's not based around the Italian well, mob, which is refreshing. Yeah. Yes, because we've seen it so many times. We're so used to that flavor. I don't think it would have worked the same Even way. just from Scorsese, you've seen it. Yeah. I don't know. It just it just felt like a really good fit to me. I hope I articulated that well. Yeah, the setting. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so this movie won four Oscars, including Best Picture that year. Really? And Scorsese has been nominated for 15 Oscars over his career, nine of them for Best Director on nine different movies. And this was Scorsese's only win. He won Best Director. Really? Yeah, which is surprising. Do you know some of the other nominations that like, you think personally he probably should have won or are more highly regarded? I don't know. A lot of people put Goodfellas as really high standing, and that we spoke about that as number like eighteen on the I list. Like so it's really highly regarded. I don't particularly like that movie though. So I don't know. I like it for different reasons. I think Goodfellas is better for the performances. I think The Departed is better for the plot and the story. It's still got really good performances. Is The Irishman set in Boston, or is it New York? I don't know. Because that could have a very similar feeling. I haven't seen it. Hmm. 
Mm, I started watching it. You know what? I reckon I just using my powers of deductive reasoning. I bet you it's in New York because think about it. It's got Joe Pesci, Al Pacino, probably playing Italian guys like they usually do because it's a mob movie. And then you've got De Niro playing the the one, you know, odd man out Irishman. It's probably set in New York because why would you need to define that he's Irish if you were in Boston? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. Yeah. That's just my guess. So I don't really have a lot to say about this movie. I'm going to kind of let you guys take the leads on this one. I didn't make many notes at all, and that's kind of interesting because I even made more notes on the silent Charlie Chaplin movie than I did on this. Fair enough, though. There was a lot going on in that movie. So right immediately, we were talking about like how we were surprised that Robert De Niro wasn't in this movie. Um, It just seems fit for him. See, but I think Jack Nicholson played the role of Frank Costello much better than Robert De Niro would have. It would have been a very different character. Yeah. And I think because Jack Nicholson is so fucking eccentric, and you talked Mm. about that a little bit. I was wondering if Jack Nicholson brought his own eccentricities to the character because some of the scenes, it's just like a strange guy, and Jack Nicholson's kind of like that anyway. Yeah. Maybe it's because I'm used to De Niro being typecast in those Italian mob roles. He's just, he's quieter... He's a lot more... Stoic. Yeah, and kind of, like, formidable. Mm. Whereas Jack Nicholson always is just this nut. He's just this crazy guy who kind of does his own thing. And in this role, like, you can't paint the mob boss as the same across the board. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, your Irish mob's going to be different from your... Italian mob's going to be different from your French mob's going to be different from your black gangs. So you can't paint them the same. You're in a totally different environment, I think it worked better to put someone who's not this typecast Italian mob boss. I mean, that in being that role. said, you say that like you can't paint them all the same, but like even in those those four categories that you listed, regardless, you'll always have a movie where someone is very similar to the character of Jack Nicholson, where they're a little bit erratic and they're a little bit like mm. unreasonable and irrational and things like that, where they're quite like they don't think through the plan, they act. First, yeah, think later. Yeah, like well, just... we had a bit of a discussion on the episode on uh, Leon the Professional because Gary Oldman is very eccentric in that, and he's kind of the bad guy, um, double agent kind of character. And we spoke about why is the, like the guy in power always the crazy one? They're always seen as like like he's like listening to his music, and you're like you can't disturb him while he's listening to his music. And basically, we came back to like. Power, I guess, is one of the main reasons. It's like you can sort of get away with anything. Uh, and access to drugs also helps. <laughs> yeah. I want to see... Um, I mean, you don't really see a lot of... If you flip the switch, like chief of police or like captains or things like that that play that eccentric, like, irrational role. Mm. And I think that would be really interesting. It's kind of interesting to see, like, Alec Baldwin because he's kind of doing that in this a as the captain. Yeah. I'm just thinking about that line. What do you say? He's like, are you one of those fitness freaks? Fuck you. Yeah, he says he speaks so fast in that. He's like, do you want to go for a cigarette? You don't smoke? You're one of those fitness freaks? Go, go fuck yourself. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. There's such a massive cast in this. Like, they spent half of this movie's budget just paying the actors. Wow. Matt Damon's character really annoys me, though. I think Matt Damon, like, if I watch too much of Matt Damon, it annoys me anyway. Like, his, <laughs> really? his yeah. mannerisms and his, like... Like, there are roles that he does that are, like, absolutely fantastic. Like, for instance, him in Saving Private Ryan, although it's towards the end, like, that kind of 
his dynamic in that role, like I can support and all like goodwill hunting or things like that. But to him in this role, oh, for fuck's sake, like just shut up. Like you just annoy the shit out of me. I can't put my finger on it, but I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Like I'm trying to figure out like what is it. Yeah, about I think him. I don't know if it's his face or the way that he, I think it might actually be his voice. I don't know. His face and his voice together is well, too much. And part of that in this role is that he's so fucking cocky. Oh, yeah. He's very arrogant. Yeah. Which he would be because he's basically untouchable, you know, and he's hoodwinked everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I think all of the characters that are portrayed, like, no one in this is, like, purely good or purely bad. Everyone is rough. But they're all yes. good at what they do. Even like Alec Baldwin, he's good at doing his job. He's a good captain, but fuck, he's rough. So even Mark Wahlberg, I think he's good at what he does, even though they everyone in this has a good and bad side. And I kind of like that. There's no real standout villain, because even the guys who are on the good side are kind of villainous at times. I love Mark Wahlberg in this. I love Mark Wahlberg. He's kind of perfect Just for about it. in anything yeah. I see. such a prick. I feel like I've seen him in this role like a hundred million times, and he plays it so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's because that's that was his life, wasn't it? Like, he's he he has a criminal record, doesn't he? Does he? Mark Wahlberg. Oh, I'm, I'm, sure. pr- I'm pretty sure. Did we watch another mob movie recently, Brandon? Um, probably... What were we watching that we then watched that YouTube video about that? I don't think we guy. watched something to watch that. It was him playing Mafia. Yeah, I'm just, I feel like we were talking about something, about a movie about that. You said you wanted to see what a mob guy thought of the Godfather scenes. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So BuzzFeed got this former mob boss to do interviews, and he played like Mafia video games. And, like, talked about how realistic they were. And then he talked about, like, how realistic representations of the mafia in movies were. It was actually pretty interesting. I like how he said that Joe Pesci is, like, the most accurate character in any mob movie. The way he plays them in, like, Goodfellas and Casino. Which really surprised me because he's, like, so hot. You know, like, he's not He's hot-headed, yeah. Yes, yeah. He's so hot, Joe Pesci. (laughs) I know, you should see my face. I was like, what? Um, back to why Mark Wahlberg plays those roles so well. It's like, so his, the Wikipedia page says that from the ages of 15 to 21, Mark Wahlberg allegedly engaged in a lot of violent, violent and racially motivated acts. Um, Wahlberg was charged with attempted murder. He pled guilty to assault and was sentenced to two years in jail. Wahlberg reportedly served just 45 days. However, he still was a, has a permanent felony record. That's um, really interesting. Where is he from? Boston, is he? Is he from Boston? It wouldn't surprise See, me. That's really interesting to me because his brother, Donnie Wahlberg, he's got the accent too, but he plays a cop in New York on Blue Bloods. Mm. Yeah, he's from Boston, Massachusetts. And they've got a burger joint together. Yeah. Wahlburgers. Yeah. That's really interesting. Also known as Marky Mark. He's just like- Wasn't he a rapper a... in the 90s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so dumb. That's so dumb. What was it called? Hold on. It literally just told me. It was Marky Mark and the- Funky Bunch. Yeah. <laughs> was it actually? Yuck. Like yeah. Oh my God, that's so cringy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I think that's going to be the extent of what we're going to do without spoilers, just talking about the actors and the characters yeah. and stuff. So spoilers from now on. So to talk about the movie a bit more. So <laughs> yeah. I didn't know the plot of this at all. I didn't kind of know. I, I knew it was a mob movie. That was about it. 
Um, and I remember just thinking, what an interesting dynamic to have the mob guy as a rat in the police force, like as a mole in the police force, and the cop as a mole in the crime crew. I just thought that was a really interesting dynamic that I'd never seen before, and that's yeah. kind of the whole point of this movie. I was like, huh, how ironic, you know, is what I initially thought about it. And I just wanted to bring that up because, I mean, that is the whole point of the movie is it's looking at how do these two people who don't know each other basically interact and affect each other kind of thing. The more compelling parts for me are how the rats, like, solve each other's problems. Like, they're trying to find each other. There's several points where they suspect each other. Or there's several points where they're going to be found out themselves in their departments. And it's mm -hmm. just interesting to watch them because each rat is just as smart as each other. Like, these two characters are very smart. And just watching them, they're wicked smart. Just watching oh, them, gross. like, solve the problems is really satisfying. Yeah. I know they're smart and they're solving each other's problems. Like, I get what you're saying. But they're in that position because they're manipulative. Yes. Like, both yeah, of them. Yeah, they're good at lying. Obviously, have like. What if if you're both in that position and you carry it through and all that sort of stuff? Like, what do you reckon is like the sociopathic like traits for both of these characters? Because like you know, I think that they tickle some of the criteria for sociopathy. Damon more than DiCaprio mm. for sure. I think that's why they succeed in those rap positions. DiCaprio is just really smart, or Costigan, I guess is his character's name. He has to go and make use of his family connections and his past. And he's just clever. Like, the way that he goes, they're like, you're undercover now. Go get in his crew. I'd sit there and be like, how the fuck do I do that? And he figures it out. He figures out how to get into Costello's crew by starting dealing coke and then building up his street cred and pissing off the right people to get talked to kind of thing. I thought that was brilliant. Do I think he's really got anything going on? Past trauma, maybe, but nothing beyond that. And then in terms of Damon, I don't think you could purposefully go be a dirty cop without having a lot of... He, you wouldn't do that unless it was really self-serving to you and you wouldn't care that much unless you're really narcissistic. Yeah, I think he takes a few things like grandiose and... Oh, yeah. Like... He's so arrogant and self-absorbed. Yeah. Do I think anybody's a psychopath? Not particularly. I mean, I'm not saying so. Yeah. Um, yeah. This movie's reasonably confusing. Like, there are a lot of layers intertwined oh, with hell. each other. I haven't had this much trouble since watching The Godfather. And granted, I could figure this out, but we had to, like, keep pausing it and talking about it to be like, what just happened? Okay, we gotta rewind that, look at it again. I reckon if I had seen this in the movie theater for the first time, I wouldn't have known what the fuck was going on at all. It was pretty fast-paced. It's very fast. Like, The Godfather's slow confusing. This is very fast. It's just complicated because you've got all these Italian names and you don't know who's who and you only see someone once and then they're talked about 50 times. Um, this, the passage of time isn't very well marked. That's not clear at all, yeah. There's jumping around that's not really marked because there was a point where you're like, what just happened? Like, it was a flashback. You're like, that was a flashback? I'm like, yeah. yeah. So, um... It's really not linear. And then there's times where it's like, oh, a year has passed? Oh, she's pregnant? Oh, they're getting married? What is happening? Like, it's really not clear because 
You know what would have helped is if they had, like, snow or, you know... Because you, you see, you saw that in The Pianist. The time was jumping all over the place there. But it says, oh, there's a timestamp. It says it's April. And then it, the next scene, it sort of shows you it's snow, it's Christmas. I'm like, okay, I can understand the time here. Yeah, I think I think the time could have done been better. Well, like, give someone a beard, you know what I mean, to show that it's been a while. I mean, there's so many men in this movie. You could have definitely done something like that. Um, the transitions between scenes, they were all the same. Yeah, there really wasn't very much to show, so that added to the confusion. Um, so the first time I watched this, I had no idea what was happening. This is the third or fourth oh, time, yeah. and I, com- I completely forgot about the whole trait about um, Frank Costello, Jack Nicholson's character, being an FBI informant. That was a massive twist that I'd completely forgot from the first few times I watched this. Like, you you really need to rewatch this a few times. Well, and I think what also contributed to a lot of the confusion is you're talking about two rats. Sullivan, who is Damon, or Costigan, referred to as DiCaprio. being in their department. But it's confusing because you're like, are they talking about Do you hear Sullivan, that? who is Damon, or Costigan, who is DiCaprio? But the thing is, so, like... Each one of those rats are doing things to try and convince other people that they're not the of rat. certain things. Yeah, so it their motives are unclear because it's like, oh, are they doing that genuinely or are they doing that to throw someone off? Like, there's a lot of those. Are they doing it to help their cause or to cover their own ass? Because yeah. there's some there's some of that all throughout. So to talk about the fact that Costello's federally protected by the FBI. And it becomes clearer. I like the way that was kind of revealed, how you figure out through dialogue, like, oh, that's why this never becomes a federal case. Well, you figure out when the character figures out. Yeah, but it's like, I like the way it was revealed. Mm. Um, I'm thinking, why, as the federal government, would you allow the state to throw all this money? That's what I was, as you were talking, I was just thinking, it was like, the FBI already knows that there's an investigation happening. They're allowing all of these things to unfold and cause this chain reaction, knowing that if he does get arrested and nothing's actually going to happen anyway. Well, and it's just, it's such a waste of time, money, manpower, and resources. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think, what was, what was the point? You know, and you're letting him get off scot-free, killing people and importing drugs and racketeering and all this other stuff where it's like, what, what's... I don't understand wh- how it's beneficial yeah. overall. Like, how valuable is the information that he's leaking to the FBI that they can turn a blind eye to that? Yeah, and I kind of think that, I don't know, like, my interpretation or how I feel about it is that it's, they didn't really know what to do with his character or how to, like, close his character out of the script or the movie that, like, you know, three quarters of the way through, you're like, yep, he's an FBI informant, you can't actually touch him anyway. And, like, I just feel like it's really forced in there. Like, it doesn't flow. Which is interesting because I'm pretty sure his character was inspired by a real criminal. Mm. Who was an informant. Yeah. I just think it could have been developed a little bit better. Even, like, throughout the movie and you see him interacting with both Sullivan and Costigan, there could be maybe more ambiguous interactions that he's having with someone else, like, or conversations over the phone or something like that, that... You're like, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah, they I tip you off that he's doing yeah. something. Yeah, that yeah. which all all conversations that are ambiguous that it could be he could be talking to Sullivan or he could be co- talking to Costigan, but he's actually talking to the FBI. Yeah. yeah, that would have been really clever. And then like further down, you're like, oh, that's what that was. Mm. Yeah, whereas it's just kind of 
it does feel tacked on yeah. at the end. And the only thing you see is those photos with him talking to the fed guy who's yeah. in the department. In and the he does anyway. SIU? Special Investigations Unit. Yeah. Yeah. He dies anyway in the end. Yeah. And it was so personal, the way he died. And I just feel like, honestly, if he knew he was being investigated, he could have just, like, picked up the phone, arranged a meeting, or, like, done something, and just been like, yeah, this is what's happening, can you shut it down? Yeah. And, like, if the information that he is providing the FBI is of high importance, then that investigation would have been closed yeah, from just, the police. Yeah, it just didn't mm. make a lot of sense to me, that whole line of the plot. It was, yeah, it was, it just, it just didn't make logical sense. Yeah. No, I see what you're saying, that it's, it feels like an afterthought. Yeah. Because mm. don't they specifically say that, like, we want him alive, not dead? Yeah, point? and then by the end, they just, like, go out for a shootout, yeah, which much, hasn't yeah. been their approach the entire movie. Like, they've been trying to get intel, and they Quite want methodical. to get... Yeah, they tried, like he says, we're trying to paint a bigger picture here. We're trying to create a case against him. And by the end, they just go in their guns blazing and kill everyone, including Costello. I'm like, oh, okay. It's like the pointless. movie needs its token shootout. Yeah. yeah. Which I much prefer movies. There's time and place. In something like this, you could have done it. You can make it interesting without it being action-packed. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, on a totally tangent, Spotlight. Have you seen Spotlight? I don't think so. Okay. It's all dialogue and development and politics, and it is one of the most interesting movies I've ever seen. If it wasn't done right, it could be so boring, because, mm -hmm. like, physically nothing happens. Mm -hmm. But it's so interesting and engaging, and I think you could have brought more of that into this. Mm -hmm. It didn't need to be your guns and it is, it, drugs it, mob movie. It's a good movie, The Departed, but again, if you look at the, the characters or the actors that are in it, you got Mark Wahlberg, Matt Damon, Leonardo DiCaprio... And Jack Nicholson, who are all, you know, quite well known for those high violent roles. films and roles. So this this film is targeted for those people that are fans of those, of those people of those actors. So it's not necessarily targeted to for it to be like a critical thinking yeah. film. It's for the sole purpose, it's like we're just gonna put some guns and some blood and do things that don't actually make fucking sense and people are going to come to it because of the actors that we have in it. It's like not a film that you would walk away necessarily and be like, fuck, that was a good movie and I'm so glad I went and saw it. Mm. Because, again, we pointed out earlier, it's quite, like, confusing. Well, I think a better example of that is sort of like what you were saying is seen in, like, Tarantino movies because he's very good at dialogue. He's written some of the best dialogue. And he's yet the king. He almost every one of his movies, there's always a shootout that ends up killing everybody. It happens in every one of his movies, and I think it's constructed better. It's a nice balance of tense dialogue and action, because there's a very Tarantino-esque sort of ending to this, where there is a shootout and no one survives. Um, actually, there's a couple. It does kind of feel very abrupt, because, like... It is abrupt. Everyone dies in, like, ten minutes. Yeah. yeah. Again, forced. Yeah. Yeah. Which is surprising for a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Yeah. On the one hand, I was appreciated because, like, I wasn't expecting Leo to die. And then he did, and I'm like, well, I guess that's just kind of the way it is. You get shot, you're dead. Nobody's expecting it, so it's, mm. like, abrupt. So, on the one hand, I appreciated it. But then you see, like, it just keeps happening. Like, there's so many people. It feels, like, unresolved. Yeah, it's just like, oh, we gotta end the movie now, bang. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that very last scene is very satisfying because you, I, don't, I don't want Damon to get away. 
Like, I'm, I'm glad that even though Mark Wahlberg is an irritating prick, he he's like, no, fuck you. You took down my captain. You took down this whole thing, you know. So he's waiting for him in his apartment. I think it's a very satisfying ending, that part of it. I would have rather he got caught, personally. Damon? Yeah. No, but I feel like there's so many holes and there's so many leaks. He would have weaseled his way out and he would have been living on a fucking beach in Tahiti in the next 18 months. Like, it's more satisfying that after he killed everyone in that elevator scene, no, you should be killed as well. I have a couple of questions, though. Mm. A, what do we think that the information that Jack Nicholson's character is actually providing that keeps him from being, like, extradited or whatever? It's probably information about other crime syndicates. Yeah, I'm. I would yeah. be interested to look into what the actual guy was was giving, um, and if you're going to base it on an actual guy on this loose thread that he was also an FBI informant, lean into the real side. You know, show the actual character. If his character was largely based off that particular person, there's no real referencing. Yeah. Other- yeah. Other than oh, this is an interesting trope that solves our problem. Let's just go with that. Yeah. Yeah. B, my question is, if Mark Wahlberg and the other gentleman, can't remember his name. Martin Sheen, the old guy? Yeah. Yep. If they're the only two people that actually know that Costigan is actually a police officer, and then they both end up dying, don't they? How does Matt Damon find out that he's a cop? Because he doesn't exist via his So what happened was, is that when he kills Costello... So Jack Nicholson's character, he gets the phone, mm-hmm. and it's ringing, mm-hmm. and it's Costigan on the other line. So he's got him from two angles because he's got Quainan's phone, who's the police captain, and he's got Costello's phone. So he's able to talk to him, and he's like, it's over now. Like, you know, you know that Costello's dead. You know that Captain's dead. Like, you don't have to be a cop anymore coming into the office. And that's when he went into the office. Yeah, that was the first time he yeah. actually saw him. But regardless, yeah, that's the first time he sees him, he finds out. But he should have known that he couldn't trust Sullivan because Mark Wahlberg earlier in the movie clearly points out that we're the only two people that know that you are actually a police officer. So he would have been charged with all these crimes anyway. So it's probably better off that he did die. Well, and that's why, like, he's smart, right? Like, he figures it out really quickly. Like, he, he doesn't trust him right from the very first phone call he gets, like, before everything. He won't listen to him because he's like, I'm Agent Sullivan. I've taken over this unit. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, bullshit. You know, like, he's he's too smart for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the next scene, he's in the office anyway. Yeah, because he wants to get paid because he doesn't... Mm. The case is over. It's getting closed. He doesn't have to release any information to get his payment. You know what I mean? Before we move on to wrapping everything up, I want to talk about, I don't even think we get her name, the psychologist. I don't know, actually. They've got to I... say a name, right? Oh, yeah. I just, I don't know. I feel I like her character's a bit pointless, hey? Hmm? She could have been not in that movie at all and it wouldn't I... have made an impact. No. I, and it's just, it was so, like, oh my god, eye roll. Like, you a know... lot of the things. Yeah. Do you know what it was? Yeah. Is that... They were all male characters. Like other than her, yeah, where you was needed someone female? in there that was a good-looking female to like there was break no it up. The female characters in this entire movie, but like, like, yep. How unrealistic is it? Tits in there. That like, first of all, forget the whole romantic thing that she'd be dating one rat and treating the other one. Yeah, the rat love triangle was a bit. Yeah, 
It was weird. I didn't like how it kind of perpetuated the trope. So there is there is this idea that like all shrinks are kind of nutty in their own right. And so she's clearly like got some shit going on because she has trust issues and she lies and then she's cheating on her husband and blah blah. I don't even remember them getting married. I don't think they did. I think they they were proposed. He mentions it in one scene that they're Engaged. engaged. And it's like, you didn't have to put that, like, you changed that one word to dating and it would have just made it a lot easier to follow because that makes me question, oh, really? Like, this has progressed that much? Time has passed? Anyway. But it, yeah. I think it was one another, scene. like, indication of, like, how much time has actually yeah. passed is that we've been but together it, this long? That, that yeah. And it didn't, yeah, it wasn't done very well. But, like, if she fucking kisses him or sleeps with him or something, like, I'm just going to puke, I think, is what I said. I'm like, it's so tacky. And the next five to ten seconds. (laughs) They did. They started doing it. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, it was so unnecessary. It was predictable, yeah. Yeah. Like, as fuck. And it's like, don't do that. It's so cliche. There was no need for it. It didn't add anything. The whole thing was absolutely pointless. It was. and, And unrealistic. Well, I feel like the reason for her character was to show the downside of the two characters, what they're actually feeling and what they're actually thinking. And she was sort of the audience to sit there and listen to them. Oh, what, you know, what's actually getting to them? What's actually, you know, worrying them? And Yeah, their vulnerabilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. their vulnerabilities. So instead of them always being on, on the job, and you don't know what to believe, whenever they're with her, you know that what they're saying is real. And I think you kind of needed an avenue for them to display their actual thoughts and feelings. Otherwise, the whole thing would be like, I don't know what the fuck this character is. But how real is it? Because Koskin's character doesn't even disclose who he is or what he's going through. So I don't really know. I don't really believe it. So that's another thing. She thinks. I think that's what they were going for. She thinks he's just an ex-con on probation who's ordered to go see her, which adds another thing to, like, so you're sleeping with one of your patients who, by the way, is, like, your token bad guy. So it's just, like, all these layers of tacky that I just wasn't for. Mm -hmm. And then whose kid was it? Probably Damon's. Probably Damon's. Because it was just a smudge in that ultrasound photo. Yeah, that that was not clear physically. Uh, I think this is a good movie, but it is flawed. Like, it, it's not a masterpiece. I think Scorsese even has better movies, let alone better mob movies. Now that we've sat down and talked about it, I'm like, they shouldn't have got Best Picture. Well, I don't know what else it was up against. Okay, so can we have a quick discussion about Red X outside Matt Damon's apartment? Oh, the very last scene where Matt Damon's about to go in his apartment, you see Red X's on the, the carpet. Yeah. And there's a thing that Scorsese put in through this whole movie is just before a character dies, they have a red X behind them in the scene. And you can see that throughout the entire movie when when Leo's... He's at the airport for some reason. Like, there's one scene, there's no reason for him to be at the airport, and yet he's walking down this terminal. Um, Maybe they put him at the airport literally just so that he could walk past all the X's, and there's all these X's in the background. Um, So there's a lot of subtle meaning behind it, but... Just because you put those in there as like a wink to the audience doesn't make it great. But he got shot in the elevator and there was no X there. Yeah, I don't know. Um, But there is a point in this movie where everyone has an X behind them except Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, because he doesn't die. Yeah, exactly. Well, what about Alec Baldwin? He doesn't die. Well, then he doesn't have an X. I just, I wanted to throw in here. So 
my uncle is pretty high up in the Manitoba police in Canada. And he actually, I don't know how long he went undercover, but he was undercover for a really long time. And I just, just to think about, you can't talk to anybody. You can't talk to your family. You don't have any connection to anyone. And he, like Leo even says, he's like, forgive me. Like, I've, this is what I'm used to now. It's not the way I would normally behave. But apparently female officers have a lot of issues because oftentimes they have to go undercover as like hookers or strippers. And they like really take on those kind of social roles. And it can be really hard to let go of those sort of personality traits. So I just think it'd be really interesting to talk to somebody who's actually gone undercover and talk about, you know, the ins and outs of what was that like and how did it affect you and well, there's some scenes in here that are just terrifying if you're DiCaprio's character because they're trying to find a rat in his organization and then Jack Nicholson, as crazy as he is, walks out and he's covered in blood. And he's like, um, can I get a mop and pail? <laughs> like, yeah. fuck you, you'd be shitting bricks, would you not? Yeah, you must have some big balls to go undercover, especially in the mob, jeez. You'd have to be getting a big payout, hey. Which is why it's a little, like, sad with what, by the end that he dies so instantly. It's like, oh, he never... He, he, he never got anything for yeah, it. Yeah, it was all for nothing. <laughs> Poor guy. To be fair, he kind of put himself in that position at that point. Like, he didn't have to do that. Mm. Um, he could have handled it differently. I think I get why he did do it. I just think at that point, like, you're so close, be a little bit more careful. We have been Danielle and Brenton this week. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on all the socials. We're most active on Instagram. You can follow us on Facebook, comment on SoundCloud or YouTube, or support us on Patreon. Thanks again for Jessica for joining us this week. And until next week, thanks for listening. They're wicked smart. Oh, gross.